Hey everybody, it's James Tiley with Team Blockchain. I almost want to I want to say that I'm a part now of Team Blockchain with my new friend Johnny Fry and uh this week's episode of Digital Bytes, which is Johnny's major uh weekly event that he sends out in terms of a, a newsletter. He interviews um special people. I think this week we have a CEO of of a mining company, and it's not the mining that you think of. Johnny will probably <laughs> clarify that for us. Absolutely. That, in fact, it was funny when we recorded that segment, she was right there with the personality. She's like, it's not mining. We're talking about no, mining. mining. Yeah, yeah, gold and great. silver and diamonds. Talk about gold and diamonds all day. Where is my wife? <laughs> uh, so James, good to, be, good to be back on the air with you. Thanks, thanks for getting this organized. And, yeah, I think uh, this yeah. is going to be a, a great future for us. Am I officially a part of the team? Am of I team you are. blockchain? You are. You're, you're our. You're our. Um, you're our cousin across the pond. Because hey, I'm, I'm family here, over here, south of London. Where, whereabouts are you? I am in South Georgia. I am south in the very, very corner of what's almost a rectangular state, and I'm actually a suburb of Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. Even no, on you've Georgia, got glorious now. weather. It is. It's. It's. Uh, even for October, it's still what you would consider summer down here. <laughs> well, we've, my got, kind actually, of we've got a sunny day here. And the, um, as the Canadians would say, the fall is starting. So we've got trees that are just going a, a ready ginger color. But another couple of weeks, we'll get frost and um, there'll be leaves all over the place. But for now, it's, we've got a nice, yeah, nice afternoon here. Um, yeah, you're, what are you, there. latitude? Are you in line with um, like Montreal on our side or? Yeah. You're a little oh, south. I think we're yeah we're not, we're perhaps yeah a little bit south. We're we're probably we're a little bit north of Paris, and I know Paris is on the same latitude as New York. Okay, so that's so of, but, uh, yeah, a long way north of where you are. You know what? I guess uh, eventually, I know I'm really interested in these smart cities and smart cities using blockchain technology. I yeah. bet you these smart cities will be able to tell us what the weather is going to be like down to the street. And what to expect based on their latitude. So maybe we just stumbled upon something right there. Well, 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 okay. So, so this week we did an article about smart cities and the role blockchain can play. Um, right. And, and, and one of the reasons for that is that, um, you know, we, we were looking at some analysis from the World Bank and what we do in Digital Bytes. Um, any statistics that we quote, we have a hyperlink to a publication, in this case, the World Bank was saying that at the moment, 55% of the population, so that's 4.2 billion people live in cities. Um, and that's going to continue um, with the urban population by, I think it was 2050, going to double um, in size. That'll mean nearly 70% of everyone will be living in a city. And um, so therefore, this idea of a smart city was first uh, coined by IBM. Um, and they were saying that it was the capability of capturing and integrating real world real live data through the use of sensors meters appliances devices and other similar sensors so um we were looking at um how do smart cities how do they sort of meet those challenges of congestion and social services and and make cities a a fairer a more equitable um more desirable place to live in and obviously at the at the corner of this is, is data um, and you, you can collect a lot of data with Internet of Things, and then you can manipulate that data with artificial intelligence. But by using blockchain technology, 
it gives the ability to not only collect and manage that data, but then share that data in a very secure manner. Because very often people want access to data. They don't need access to the individuals that have created that data. So the data can be anonymized and then be used for the good of the community. Um, and this is something which um, people are beginning to realize and they don't want the data just held by the local authority um, because that could be subject to sort of cyber attacks and you're relying on one data base and one point of failure. But one of the advantages obviously with the blockchain platform is that it's the information is held in a, in a variety of different places. Um, so that was that was what we were looking at. Uh, and we've got extreme. So we got a, this idea in um, you know, the good old USA um, in the state of Nevada. We've got a smart city that um, a, a guy is trying to create where it'll be called Painted Rock. And it will cover about 68,000 acres. The intention is to have about 37,000 people. Um, and the company, Blockchain LLC, is behind this, these plans. And they reckon it'll actually start to generate something over 4.6 billion of output a year, all run on using blockchain technology. Um, so that's what we have in the States. Meanwhile, in the Middle East, in Dubai, you know, they're, they're saying that, um, well, actually, we've got a quote, blockchain technology will unlock 5.5 billion dirhams of savings annually. So the Dubai blockchain strategy has got a roadmap of how they're going to create a platform to share technology and information with different cities all over the world. Um, and that'll be using what they call the three pillars of efficiency, sort of government efficiency, industry creation and international leadership. So this is something we're beginning to see, not just in one country, but there's pockets of using the technology in different jurisdictions in, in, in different countries. Yeah, we're definitely going to see uh, who the front runners are, right, as, as technology. I guess when they said 2050, by the time 2050 is around and, and that number of people living in cities, yeah. uh, we're going to know who's who. And yeah. I appreciate that Nevada is a very blockchain-friendly state. They, they've been talking about, uh, I recently helped on an article maybe a year ago, where Nevada was doing the uh, marriage certificates and the marriage licenses all registered on the blockchain, and they were saving each couple roughly 30 U.S. dollars wow. just on the marriage process. Wow. So this all makes sense, what you said. And you think of the millions of people get married every year. Those 30, right. 30 bucks add up, don't they? Absolutely. So you got Dubai saying 5.5 billion Durham in savings. Yep. I mean, that savings. makes total sense. Well, and I suppose linked to that is if you're going to marry someone, you want to make sure you know the identity of who you're getting married to. Right. The all new credit score. <laughs> so this week's edition, we, we have an article uh, from Checked, which is a software company, a lady called Elena Yunoshava. And she's been talking about self-sovereign identity. Um, okay. and, and this is how someone can actually... Um, have their information, have their details. Um, and then those information or the details, if I've got my own information, my own self-sovereign identity, I, I want to share that with certain companies, maybe certain individuals, you know, for, the, for like the bank or my utilities, or maybe if I'm going to get my insurance done. So the idea is, is to take, for example, my identity and, and be able to share that um, with other companies and, and make that whole process much, much easier and actually much, much more efficient. And they did some research or came across some research and they, they reckon that McKinsey, which is a management consulting business, 
said that it could actually amazingly boost economic growth just in the UK by 3% um, by 2030 if if individuals had this self-sovereign identity. Either they could share their information with who they wanted to, when they wanted to, as opposed to, you know, you go to your bank or maybe you go to your stockbroker or maybe you're going to change your utility provider and you have to go through this wretched process of who are you and your date of birth and your identification number and your passport number and your driving license and your inside leg measurements and you know all the all the shenanigans that we all have to go through so this whole area i think we're going to see more and more it started in financial services but i think we're going to see the demand as we get open banking and people being able to move um, bank accounts move suppliers um, one of the keys to actually making that more easy is to Get away from having information held by a company, but you, the individual, can share your information in a much more seamless and easy way. Does that kind of make sense? You're finally in control of your own blue check mark on Twitter. Very true. So it's so yeah. So it's it's going from the, that decentralized or centralized approach of having information to a more de- decentralized, but you having control. You, whoever owns that data, that information, you know that that's and, it, and it's happening already. You know, we, I think COVID has um, been a good a good example of that. And we've got the International Air Transport Association um, are developing something called the IATA Travel Pass. And that will in that will effectively store data such as when were you last tested or what what are your vaccination results if you're going to travel? And it was interesting. Last week I was in France. You can't go into any bar or any restaurant. You can't even sit on the street in in a bar or restaurant without showing um, your past sanitaire, which is basically, right. can you prove to me that you have been vaccinated? Um, or can you prove that you have been had a negative test within the last 24 hours? If you can't prove that, they won't serve you. And I was talking to that a restaurant in, uh, owner. They're doing that in New York as well over here. Yeah. So it's already made its way. Yep. And so, so therefore, the ability, and it was interesting because they had they were not interested in, oh, it's Johnny Fry and your date of birth and where you live and how much you got in the bank. All they wanted was a QR code. Right. And they could then say, so if the, if the gendarmes came along and said, okay, um, Mr. Bar, Mr. Restaurant, um, you know, can you prove that you've tested anyone? Um, they would have a record of all the people and then they could check because it turns out that if they can't prove that, there's a 40,000 euro on the spot fine for the um, restaurant or the bar. And they're really trying to crack down to make sure that they don't spread this COVID anymore because it's it's it, this isn't going to COVID's not going to go away. We've got to find a way to live with this wretched thing, um, and and maybe this is part of that process. Um, and hence, IATA, um, International Air Transport Association, are coming up with with something that they've actually um, developed as as a as a process or as an example. Well, I am uh, living with what's called long COVID, being the radio you- professional that I am. You're not, You're not coughing cough. today, though, James. There's no You're cough. You're not hearing me cough. I am, I am working magic to ensure <laughs> that I don't sound like I have COVID. But the COVID credentials initiative that you talk about in this article, it seems very peer-to-peer. My relationship yeah. being with long COVID, sometimes you feel like if you cough at a store, you're a domestic terrorist. And I need to be able to say, oh, I'm negative. This is just scarring in the lungs that I'm, I'm getting over. The relationship with this is peer-to-peer. I'm assuring the bar or the restaurant or the pub for, for on your side that I'm okay. Here's my proof. And it's not the guy down the street who needs to see this. It's you. Whether or not so, yeah, you so agree. 
Right, I was well, going to say, whether or not you agree with the papers, please, idea, at least the technology solves the problem. You can't argue that. Well, it gives an option. I, I appreciate in, um, in, well, particularly in America, you, because you have different states have different regulations and laws, you know, some, some states are more positive towards vaccinations and, and, you know, other states are perhaps, you know, not, not as inclusive. But, but across the world, if we're going to get back to traveling, it very much seems like the airlines and to a great extent, the governments, they're putting the pressure on the airlines to do the checking. So they're trying to say, OK, if you, we're going to start allowing people to flying around the world again, um, we want, we're going to have the gatekeepers will be the airlines. And I think it's going to prove very difficult for people that aren't double vaccinated um, or certainly that can't prove they don't have COVID. I, I think they may struggle to actually move out of their own domestic country, which for a lot of people that don't travel is not a problem. But for those that do want to travel, do want to go on holiday, then they need to prove it. And this is a way technology can be used. And this is where self-sovereign identity and some of the work that Czechs are doing um, can actually help you prove that your um, whatever your credentials are, whether you do or don't have COVID or whether, you know, who you are because you want to, you know, facilitate and open up a bank account or maybe change your electricity supply or, or whoever. So as you say, the technology opens up some options, which perhaps were not as easy in the past. I tell you, I would have no objection to even carrying one, I guess the equivalent of, of a hash or a wallet, cover my driver's license, my passport, my vaccinations, my MasterCard and Visa, put it all in one little device. Don't make me have to carry 17 different things. I like that idea. Just put it all, my identity is in my control. Maybe, maybe it's a token and the token has my COVID vax in it. Yep. Definitely the, the way it should be, just for ease of use. Well, and security, because otherwise, if you're carrying your driver's license and you lose your wallet, then someone's got a picture of you. It's got your home address. So let's say, you know, you lose your wallet when you're with me down the pub here in, 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 in Blighty in England. And someone then says, oh, hang on, look, there's this chap, James Tyler. He's here in the U- UK, but his home address is America. You might want to pop around to his house and see if he truly is there or not. And someone could burgle your home because they've, they found out that, you know, you've lost your driving license, for ex- just as an example. Whereas if Absolutely. it's all hashed and secure, they can't get access to that information. So that has to make sense going forward longer term. Yeah, I'm with it for sure. And then uh, even the money, you know, the, this is the second most prized possession in your wallet. Uh, you start to talk about digital assets and central bank digital currencies almost kind of would work into it, right? Well, we, we, it's, it's interesting. We, we've had a lot, of, we get a lot of readers who are interested in stable coins and, and central bank digital currencies. And if you look at the, we, we, we managed to get some data from the ECB Europe. So looking at Europe and looking at what's happened to savings in Europe because of COVID payments, the, the percentage of money sitting in banks has exploded in the last 18 months, two years, where it's quite understandable that governments have given money to their citizens. Um, I think in the US, you gave like $1,400 per adult um, as I say, look, here's some money. I know you haven't been able to work, but, you know, when the shops all open, um, you can then, you know, go and spend money. You know, I was again talking to a restaurant owner in France this week, and he was given 100% of the previous year's profit as a as a compensation. So, look, you won't be able to open your restaurant, so we're going to give you some money. Well, that guy who's very enterprising, he turned his restaurant from seats into a takeaway and he had a brilliant year last year and so financially he didn't lose money 
And I was talking to a chap that runs an off-license that sells booze and liquor um, in Bordeaux. And he said, we've had the best year we've had forever because our online sales went really, really well. People at home, they weren't out drinking. They were at home drinking. But he got compensated. And, and what did they do with the money? Well, they went out, one of them went out and bought a brand new car. He said, because I was given money for nothing. Why wouldn't I? And so what we've seen is the governments, they, they didn't have any real way of identifying who needed the money and who didn't need the money. And what we're seeing at the moment is a, a surge in spending and people are using the money that they've been given to them by the government, but they didn't need that money in the first place. But with a central bank digital currency, it would be a lot easier to be able to identify who's entitled to the money and who's going to get that money and who doesn't need the money. And, and at an extreme, we have the situation in, in uh, China with a digital one, which they're looking to launch at the Beijing Olympics next February. And what they've been doing, they've been actually saying, OK, we're going to go to a particular city and we're going to give away for free the equivalent of $30 worth of our digital wang because we want to try and test our systems. And so we're going to randomly pick out 50,000 people and we're going to say, there you go, you got equivalent of 30 US dollars in digital wang to spend. However, you can only spend it um, with these particular merchants. So here are a list of companies you can spend it at and you use it or lose it. So you've got 10 days to spend it. If you don't spend it after 10 days, it will automatically expire. And so now that's a, an extreme, which I think many countries in the West would say, well, hang on, we don't want the government to tell us, you know, where to spend it and when to spend it. But, you know, if we have another pandemic and, you know, people really do need the money for clothing and food, well, surely it should be spent on clothing and food. It shouldn't be spent on, I don't know, gambling and alcohol and going on holiday or buying a car. And so therefore, so we, central bank digital currency gives you those an extra tool for, for the governments. So we do have that in the United States in like a welfare system where you're like given this card, thing. right? You're given a card and you can buy diapers and baby formula and medicine, but you can't go buy beer, right? It's yeah. kind of like blacklisted on the card. So it sounds to me not all that indifferent, right? But it would be easier and probably more authentic to, to initiate using I guess this would be an advocate for the central currency. So, so we are doing it here. It, you know, everybody says we're a lot different than China, but a lot of similarities there too. Well, certainly, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. My sister lives in San Francisco and I, I would say when I visit, there's a lot of your rules and regulations. A, you, you don't quite, it's not quite a police state, but it's, you're very, very strict. You know, for example, when it says a stop sign in your car and you don't stop, bang, you're, you're going to get fined potentially. And if you're caught walking around the streets and you jaywalk or if you drinking alcohol and it's not in a brown paper bag, then, you know, you can get you can get fined for stuff like that. Europe is very different. And I'm, and I'm not for one moment saying one is right and one is wrong. But I often smile. There's a lot of people who are quite xenophobic and are quite aggressive about what's happening with China and saying, oh, it's, it's controlled and it's this, that and the other. And I look at some of the times when I come to America, and I think, well, as you're, you're right, that it's not too dissimilar. It's not too dissimilar in, in certain ways. So, yeah, but that's that's a, you know that's a that's another a whole other story, as they say, James. Right, right. I was going to say you can in the United States, you could be in New Jersey, and you'll get a fine if you pump your own gas, you know, petro into your car. You're kidding. You're kidding. Oh, you are not allowed to pump gas into your car. And if you get out, see, I'm I'm guilty of it because in Georgia, we have what's called self serve. Yes. If I if I'm in Jersey, my gut instinct is to get out of the car. 
to go Absolutely. swipe my card, fill my. They will jump you like a like a lacrosse game. They wow. you they will tackle you, and and say get back in the car. Because <laughs> the gas station will get fined. You could get fined. You are not allowed to do it. And then oh, the opposite. We got people from New Jersey that come down to Florida and they're sitting at the gas pump. They're waiting. <laughs> When's this guy going to come out and pump my gas? <laughs> and it's the yeah. same country. <laughs> but we do things different based on yeah. you're as smart as you could be based on what part of the United States you're standing in at the time. And again, it's not a judgment. Not, there's not, it's not right or wrong. It's different. And we need to respect it. Not, and I think embrace those differences. Well, James, that's so so that that's so they're the different stories that we're we're covering in this week's Digital Bytes. And as as you know, the whole the whole reason that we write Digital Bytes is really to help show people how, where, and why blockchain technology is being used, um, or digital assets come to that. You know, things like central bank digital currencies, they're a digital asset. Because a number of our clients are regulated, they're accountants or lawyers or financial service companies, when we quote statistics like we've quoted today, um, we always have a hyperlink. So we have a it, as you know, it goes directly to a publication. So people know that we're not just making some of this stuff. This is this is perhaps on CNBC or BBC or Figaro in France, or it could be the Singapore um, Straight Times in, in, in Singapore or, or in the Hong Kong News. So we, we have a variety of publications that we try and draw on because what we're trying to do is say, look, this is what they're doing in, in New York or Paris or London or, or Seoul or, or Auckland or Sydney. And maybe we can learn from what other countries and other industries are doing. And, you know, it's interesting coming up after the break, we've got Tanya um, and she's going to be talking about blockchain in the commodity mining industry. And some of the things that Walmart um, have used for tracking and provenance of food, the same basic technology is now being used in the commodity mining sector for them to be able to track the provenance to make sure that the commodities that go into a car battery um, that people can be certain that they're not using slave labor or not using child labor so that the banks then will lend money to motor manufacturers or companies that make the batteries. And they can be certain that they're not sponsoring and endorsing and encouraging activities that with hindsight, people would say, well, we don't really want child um, mining of cobalt, um, which has been a big problem in certain jurisdictions. And so they need to be able to prove it. So um, that's that. That's what we're trying to do. Give a little bit of educational. There's no marketing, no raising of money. It's it's saying this is what's happening in this industry. How is that going to impact on your business, on your life? And that that's the whole ethos behind what we do. Yeah, she was a good uh, a good interview. That's going to be a good one for them. And she's going to come up after this break. There was something there that you just started to talk about. You probably don't have the time, but she points it out later. Blockchain and cryptocurrency are not necessarily one and the same, right? And I think logistics really proves that with what Walmart and now what she's implementing with the uh, commodities. Okay, so James, we'll be back on air next week. Meanwhile, if any of the um, listeners want to get access or would like their own personal copy every week, then they can obviously uh, contact you at Cyber FM um, or they can contact me, uh, Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y Fry. Um, look at me on LinkedIn and you'll see details and we'll happily then get you on the on the list and you'll get a, a free copy of, um, of digital bytes. And um, yeah, as, as they say that, I think that's pretty much a wrap and we'll be back next week with another edition, looking at other examples in different jurisdictions of what's going on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing this. I think it's going to be a, a great bright future for, for those of you who might be aware. We uh, established our relationship and our new friendship 
via uh, Pierre Bork, who is no longer with us, but we are keeping his thrill alive. And uh, I think he one of the things that he wanted was uh, involving up-and-coming progressive-type news about technology. And Tanya with Comedy Chain, when we come back, is going to represent that. It's I'm really into the mining. The mining that's not mining, right? <laughs> There's no crypto she's mining. It's just gold and diamonds and all good stuff like that. She was in it for the real money. Absolutely. Okay, James. Well, good talking to you. And uh, speedy recovery with your COVID. And hopefully we'll have a cough-free digital bike show next week again. I, I think so. I think we're going to be there. We will talk right. next week. Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y, Fry. This is real-time music playing, cryptocurrency-paying, free money radio. Cyber.fm. Cyber.fm. Hey, it's James Tiley over here at Cyber.fm. Uh, a voice you probably haven't heard in a while. I've recently gotten over my COVID-19 battle. I'd like to say I've gotten over it. So we're going to find out today just how much I can speak. And uh, if it doesn't work out so well, I, of course, have my new good friend, Johnny Fry, J-O-N-N-Y, when you look for him on LinkedIn, <laughs> for Team Blockchain. We have a special guest for our new Digital, blo- uh, digital Bytes show which is now on cyber fm full-time and uh we are kicking it off with um a woman named tanya matviva and my new york accent is probably not doing that name correctly but uh she's with um comedy change she's ceo and johnny had roped her in to get her to talk about the commodity mining sector and i have a little experience in this from the past so i'm going to be really interested in hearing what what tanya uh, what Johnny could get out of her in terms of that knowledge. Johnny uh, and Tanya, you guys are there? Yeah, thanks, James. Yes, thank you. So, Tanya, well, welcome to the um, Digital um, digital Byte Show and delighted to be on Cyber FM. And uh, thank you for writing your article in this week's uh, uh, Digital Byte Show on the 13th of October. It came out, so it came out yesterday. And it'd be really helpful just for the listeners because um, Cyber FM have got listeners literally all over the world. If you perhaps just give a little bit of background about yourself and what Cami Chain are doing, and then we'll get into, um, you know, the, the, the article you've written. Hey, uh, thank you very much, uh, Johnny and James, uh, for inviting me. Uh, quickly about myself, uh, I'm from Russia, uh, where I was educated as a geologist, and I started working in Russia with the biggest now mining company called BHP Billiton in mineral exploration. And then I moved to Canada and I worked in in exploration there. And then I moved to Netherlands and I worked in African exploration. So basically I worked in mineral exploration and in mining uh, over 25 years, scary to say that. Uh, And um, uh, recently I started my own company called Comney Chain, where we focus uh, on helping mining companies adopt blockchain technology. So that's the focus of my work. Okay, so wh- wh- why why should mining companies um, and, and and we must stress this is talking about um, commodity mining. We're not talking about cryptocurrency mining here. But but why why you know I know we've spoken before on the Digital Byte show, but but why why is it important that these mining companies need to look at this sort of technology? 
so mining companies, of course, have a part of the supply chain, right? So they are the upstream bit. That's where the minerals are coming from. And yes, I'm not happy with the blockchain mining stealing the word from us. It is our <laughs> word. We have the mines. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my slogans. Let's get <laughs> our word back. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we are part of the supply chain and whatever, uh, you know, what happens with these metals, with these materials as they are gradually moving from the pit, from the underground mine to the consumer, um, the information needs to be collected right from the source. And there are uh, huge benefits that mining companies can extract uh, from tracking their data and also for providing uh, information for the consumers for sustainable, for responsible mining, for ESG criteria. Uh, so there are actually already a lot of um, facets where mining companies are looking at blockchain applications. Okay, and and obviously your article um, in this week, it, it you were saying it's taking stock and looking ahead. So so in terms of first of all, sort of taking stock, how have you seen um, the sector evolve and change over the last? Um, I, you know, I think we've been talking now for coming up for three years, Tanya. Um, various different events that we've we've been at. And how has it changed, would you say, in the last um, two or three years? So the changes are profound, but yet they do not cover uh, the sector. You know, they don't go very deep. They kind of spread out wide, but they don't really penetrate the sector yet. Uh, so first of all, um, people started looking at blockchain really about three years ago when the blockchain technology uh, was mainly only you know, applied to financial institutions. There was not so much enterprise blockchain. And I think there was at first this kind of great interest in the technology, but because the technology companies didn't have the solutions that really were suited for the uh, mining industry, very few actually took root. So those that did take root were the ones for tracking uh, the, uh, like diamonds and gold, but they didn't go further for a while. Uh, but this year things are changing uh, and uh, way more applications uh, are uh, developing. And also importantly, the big mining companies we hear announcement after announcement that the big mining companies like BHP, like Rio Tinto, like Vale uh, are using blockchain now for financial transactions, for supply um, chain management, uh, for ESG tracking. So things are definitely moving, uh, but it's still early days. Right, right. And and you've got a number of different companies. You, you mentioned the article. Um, is it Tracer TM? um and the big uh, yeah so what, what are tracer doing is it sorry okay. if i pronounced that correctly yeah no it's a tracer uh oh, and okay. this is one of the first applications that was developed by two major diamond miners uh, it's de beers and alrosa they came together and they track their diamonds on blockchain uh, right from the mine uh, through the jeweler and right to the buyer um, so that was one of the early uh, applications Right, right. And, and, and I, obviously, it's interesting, because some people say, well, why bother? Um, and I know some analysis that IBM have carried out, um, when looking at provenance, and people are prepared to pay up to 39% more for the same product, if they understand its provenance and where it's come from. So 
presumably there's quite a commercial aspect. It's not just about supply chain, but there's quite a strong marketing element. If you can prove that in this case, diamonds have come from um, ethically, you know, sourced sort of mines and doesn't involve child labor or slavery or, or something like that. Yes, uh, it's not only the price differential, which everybody's talking about, but at least officially, I haven't seen, you know, the numbers that, you know, commodities that they can prove that they are sourced responsibly, that they mm -hmm. will be sold at a premium. But it is simply even the question of regulations. A lot of banks will not give you a loan if you cannot prove that you are you know, working in a sustainable, responsible manner. Um, and also like London Metal Exchange now, for example, they require these metals passports. And of course, you probably have heard of battery passports. So all the metals that go into the batteries for electrical vehicles. So it will simply be a requirement to have this information tracked. And what's the, what's the alternative if they, if they don't use blockchain? Is it presumably lots of analog paper-based systems which you know on emails and pdfs and they don't necessarily they're not joined up is that a fair summary absolutely this is a perfect summary johnny absolutely you kind of look right into the root of the problem exactly it is pdfs it is excel spreadsheets it is emails uh, and uh, a lot of time goes for verification of these documents is that exact that document you know is that a correct document has it been issued at the right time has it been issued by the authorized you know um, organization and this is where blockchain can help uh, for you know this document tracking um, so yeah a lot of solutions uh, now are in the market uh, that are being gradually adopted by the mining companies exactly for that okay so in terms of um, in, in your article, you, you've got some great hyperlinks, which are sort of highlighted in blue, which get, um, go directly to the source of some of the different companies and some of the different programs. And, and, and you, I suppose one of the big changes from what you're saying is this, this aspect of provenance and the, the environmental social governance, ESG. That's become a much bigger topic, certainly across the investment markets in the last 18 months. And from what you're saying, that's also impacting in terms of the ability to finance and get credit in the mining sector, because the banks want to make sure that the people are lending money to to finance projects, that they it's ethical. Well, it, it meets the ESG credentials. That's right. And now, you know, a, a lot of companies are uh, wanting to show, you know, what are the CO2 emissions that are linked to a particular, you know, shipment of ore or metal uh, and what is the quality of this and uh, uh, also the you know, social criteria to, you know, show that they have all the right permits, that they, you know, have a good record with the local communities. Uh, so, so far, the, the information that has been collected was, you know, all either on paper or in digital digital documents, but not, you know, tracked securely. And it was stored in all these many different, you know, locations. And this is where blockchain, of course, can help to streamline this process and make this transaction secure and uh, transparent. Uh, and this is exactly what's happening right now. There's a huge push uh, for blockchain for ESG tracking. Um, mining com companies are not unique in that. I've just listened to a webinar where construction companies are doing this, the same thing. You know, they track their ESG uh, criteria on blockchain. So basically, uh, we really need to see uh, how blockchain is used in other industries and adopt to, to our situation. Okay, so, so in terms of that's what's happened, 
you, you then you then give some quite examples as, as you refer to. So what's next? Um, and and you 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 talk about smart contracts being able to save money. Can, can you perhaps ex- expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, the example that I'm thinking of uh, here uh, is um, uh, companies that uh, provide smart contracts for, for example, large supermarkets um, that create smart contracts with um, their uh, shipping companies, you know, the ones who are delivering their goods or taking the moving their goods um, until, you know, blockchain was uh, you know, in existence, it was all, you know, invoices and then reconciliation and then arguments over, you know, certain conditions, Uh, you know, did you really arrive at this time, you know, uh, how much, you know, you have offloaded, etc. And where did it go? Uh, Now, uh, with a combination of IoT devices, Internet of Things devices, where you can have actually a, a device that, you know, reads the position, reads the timing, and reports it directly onto this, you know, blockchain platform where both sides of this process, you know, the client and the contractor can see exactly the same information. Um, it cuts down the costs of reconciliation um, 80% and more. Uh, so one of the examples that I mentioned in my article is a company called DLT Technologies. They've done exactly this process uh, for Walmart in Canada, and now they are expanding into the mining world. They started a project with Tech Resources, a, a big Canadian miner, uh, and, and there are more um, that I mentioned in the article, uh, and I'm excited to hear from them um, in, in the near future about this, because that will be like direct financial benefit to the miner. Okay, so what's happening is um, other industries are using the technology. So we know it works. Um, it's being used by big companies like, you know, like Walmart, which is the biggest retailer in the world. And then that same technology is being repurposed and used in the mining sector. So it's not necessarily new systems and procedures from a technology point of view. The technology works, but it's using that technology um, in, in a new sector. So Presumably that's less risky for the miners because they know the tech works. They've just got to now apply it to what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. The tech definitely works. Uh, The challenge is that the mining companies are very ignorant of blockchain, uh, you know, in in general, you know, I still have to answer questions that it is not a Bitcoin, that the payments do not have to be done in cryptocurrencies. (laughs) Uh, So the level of understanding is still quite low. And this is where, you know, a big part of our work is actually just educating mining companies about the technology and about the companies that are working in this space. And a lot of them are named in my article. Yes. Oh, fantastic. And, and Tanya, how, how do people find out more information or get, get hold of you? What's the best way to get hold of you for more information for the listeners that might want to have a few more examples or, um, you know, talk to you further about some of the things they're working on? So uh, there is a, a website that is called blockchaininmining.com, blockchaininmining.com. Uh, where we have video recordings from a series of webinars that we've done over the last year. Uh, and this is a very good source of information for, uh, all, for all these companies. Uh, also, there is my email, of course, tanya at company.co. Um, I'm sure you will be able to put the link um, in, in the article yeah. there. Uh, and yeah, on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a group on LinkedIn in called blockchain in mining uh everybody's welcome to join that i put a lot of information out there and you've but got an event then, coming up haven't you in in november 
Uh, we have regular events. The nearest event is October 20th, then it is November 2nd, then it is November 18th, uh, then wow. it is December. There is oh. a lot happening. And what originally started as like a once a, once a month webinar, now I cannot fit once a month. There is a lot of news coming from a variety of companies. So we have a bunch of webinars. And yeah, the information, the first place to go is this blockchaininmining.com. Uh, and you can register for all the webinars. Um, and yeah, we'll be receiving all the information uh, via email or find us on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, again, just uh, follow, um, join our blockchain and mining group. And yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Tony, that, that's fantastic. James, before you go, I know we're getting close to the end of the show. Is there any other questions that spring to your mind? So as you say, I know you've got a bit of experience in this sector. Yeah, actually, the, uh, one of the things I was thinking of, uh, for Tanya, it was I had some experience in the in the gold world uh, with a blockchain company that wanted to come out. They're they're not around, uh, you know. Twenty eighteen, everybody wanted to be involved, and I think Tanya had touched upon it, or at least what I appreciate is that Tanya's company is a mining company. It seems to be first and foremost. A lot of people were in the blockchain world trying to get into some particular industry whether it be radio or trading or, in this case, mining, Tanya comes from mining, right? She's implementing new technology in the industry that she's a subject matter expert in. So my question was, what, is, what has been the opinions that you've gotten from like your peers about the fact that blockchain is, is immutable and permissionless? There's not going to be any shenanigans really available to go on. Has that been anything with, you know, secret pushback? So there are two different reactions. One, oh, exciting. Let's have it done, you know, for our documents, for our essay results, for our licenses. Uh, that will be brilliant because, oh, it's such a mess and it's so difficult to, you know, work with it right now with all these multiple files. Let's do it. This is one reaction. And the second reaction Oh my God, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, who will lose their jobs because of this? Oh, and how are we going to do this realistically? Uh, and who will be in control of this all? That gets a big question. And who is in control? Uh, so of course, it is a, a difficult concept to um, take on. But I would say the most progressive thinkers now believe that in the foreseeable future, all our transactions just will be recorded on blockchain as a matter of course, you know. Um, but right now, we're still at the very beginning uh, of this process. So it's definitely how we like improve entire industries. Uh, I love it. Yeah, like I said, I had the experience before, but it was never this um, in-depth you know, I, I learned today about Hyperledger being involved and those other companies. And I, I wish you the best of it, of it all. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And specifically for gold, quite a few companies are, of course, working in gold. Uh, one of them is called Responsible Gold. They're tracking on blockchain. Then Exidrus is also tracking gold on blockchain. They're tracking gold bars. They're tracking gold from the mine source, of course, for artisanal mining. Uh, very important uh, as well. Applications are they're, they're not easy to, you know, uh, make them work, but certainly people are working on it. 
I will okay. definitely be checking out your, your LinkedIn group afterwards. Good one, Johnny. I think you found a good one right off the bat. Got a gold nugget there, haven't we, from a blockchain? Literally a gold <laughs> nugget. <laughs> and, and, and we also have from Russia with love. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tani, thanks very much indeed. And, and uh, that wraps up another show, um, James. So thank you very much today. And obviously, if anyone would like to get a copy of this week's Digital Bytes, um, then as uh, James said, just find, find me on LinkedIn, Johnny uh, Fry, J-O-N-N-Y Fry, I'm on LinkedIn, and we'll happily send you a copy of Digital Bytes where um, there's an article, obviously, from Tanya this week and every week. Um, as you know, we write about how, where and why blockchain technology and digital assets are being used in different jurisdictions and different industries and happy to share that with you. So I think that's kind of it for the for the show and the week. And we'll be back next week, James. I'll be here with bells on and less coughing. <laughs> you didn't hear me cough once. Not once. You did well today. You did well. You're staying off the smoke. So that's good news. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you. That. Thank you again for the article. OK, thank you. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thanks.